busy? Mm-mm. Okay, let me run something past you real quick. Let's have this combo because it's going to be great. Yeah. That was my little jingle. As a kid, does this ring a bell? Oh, I can't wait to. You squint your eyes and, and do that little huff puff thing with your mouth. I don't know where we learned that from. That was ridiculous. Like, who's we scaring? Excuse me, Madam Bedwetter. Who are you, sir, ma'am? Who are you? Uh, that's not intimidating anyone. Okay. All right. Or as an adult, you like, man, I sure be glad when this is over. Man, I will be happy when. May I present to you that those statements are so oxymoronic and I don't know why we use them then and I don't know why we still use them now. Came across this particular uh, conversational starter because of a few things. I personally remember being a child and saying, man, I can't wait to be an adult, but for different reasons. Not because, you know, any other, and I know some people are like, I don't know why we said that because I will more, most gladly go back to childhood. I wanted to uh, not be a child anymore because I felt like I had too many adult responsibilities. Being the firstborn, I just felt like I was second in command and it was tiring. And I'm like, bro, I can't be second in command. I'm still getting beatings in a bedtime. Like, if I'm going to have this much responsibility, I want to be able to say when I go to bed and I dare somebody um, tell me to lay down and go get the belt. Like, excuse me. <laughs> like, it was, you understand, like, it was bruising to my ego. So that was the reason why I wanted to go ahead and stop being a child. But then particularly, I remember as a new mom, oh, there were certain phases within the child milestones that I was just like, bro, can we speed through this part? Because I know likey, okay? Uh, you waking up, little baby mammy, sir, every two to three hours, two to four hours for some nutrients beyond me. I don't even know how you're hungry. You should be sleepy because I'm tired. If if I can go to sleep through this hunger, then you knew, okay? You can go ahead and sleep through that hunger. You're just being selfish at this moment. That teething stage, the back teeth, let me... Please. Matter of fact, skip that part. I'll chew all your food until you're 17. If if we can go ahead and diminish this fever with this scream combo, I'll go ahead and chew up. You don't macaroni and cheese, mashed potatoes, I'll give you a soft food diet. Anything else, see me, I got you. Cause I got the back of mine and I'm not crying. And so we can just go ahead and swap each other's fluids because by all means, okay, you 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 took every other fluid from me in the labor and delivery room, so I can go ahead and handle you there. The potty training stage, the amount of laundry that I had (laughs) during that stage was unreasonably, it just was unreal. I mean, seriously, I remember having a little bit of a parental breakdown, just a little bit, because it was just like, I can't keep, I can't keep doing this. Yeah, it was something. I had to call a few relatives, and they were like, this too shall pass. 
Well, it's not passing fast enough, okay? And if you can come hither and just do whatever you did with me, because I don't know how to teach no little person how to use a bathroom. I'm a big person. I've been doing it for years, and this is just not the way that I would like to go at this moment. You see, when I child-proofing the house, that was annoying, okay? Because I had my little knickknacks and my stuff, and I'm like, bro, I don't have puppies, okay? Why is it I got to keep telling you, put that down, take that out your mouth? Like, it's too much, you a little pre-adult at your age or at your species. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it just wasn't something that I was cool with. But this conversational starter happened because my son has begun driving. It, you see my face? I don't know if I should complete the smell or complete the fear. Like, I don't know. I don't know which one to take. So my husband started him off driving in my husband's vehicle, he went ahead and took his road test in my husband's vehicle. So it just made sense to me that anything that is driving should occur in what? My husband's vehicle. So every time that he did the, my, you think I could, it was like, no, the only thing you can do is move my car out of the driveway so you can Go ahead and finish playing basketball. Outside of that, it will be no. And I tell you why. I have a good reason. It's not all mom bound. A couple of days before his road test, he did take my vehicle with my husband in the car because I don't have the patience nor the strength. God didn't anoint me there to go ahead and try my car out. My son's words were, it's cool, but he felt like he didn't have the room that he has in my husband's car because my husband has an SUV. I have something compact because I'm a cheapo and I want that gas to look like it's not an electric bill that I'm paying at the pump every month. I'm not doing it. You see what I'm saying? And so because he let me know that, hey, not so comfortable in this car, so you're not taking my car nowhere. But he was so anxious to start driving and start driving, especially because, you know, in Georgia, you can get it at 16. And uh, so he went ahead and got his license. Hand clap of praise. Hand clap of praise. Okay, great. And so my husband has been really lenient, letting him take his car to basketball practice, letting him go hang with his friends at whatever buffet, letting him go. Every time I look around, my husband's car is not in the driveway. And I'm like, huh? Well, then, okay, y'all handle that. Handle that scandal because I, I don't have the, I'm very much overprotective, overbearing. So y'all go ahead and handle that. I know when I'm anointed and when I'm not. So I'm clear. So I'm good. So, but because I'm not a part of that scandal, I decided to be a part of the um process. You feel me? So I needed something from Walmart. Yep. So you know what I did. I called my son. I was like, hey, what you doing? <laughs> You know, knock on the door. Knockity knock, 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 knock. Um, what you doing? Nothing. What? I was like, yeah, I need something from Walmart. Do you know that not even having his license more than three weeks, buddy told me, man, I don't feel like driving. Driving is, it's a lot. Oh! But I'm, I'm sorry, sir. Can you say it one more time for the people in the back? It's what? Oh, but you couldn't wait. I mean, you just couldn't. You were like, as soon as you can go ahead and put a sneaker on and turn the, turn the car key to an engine. Like, it was on the popping, wasn't it? It's amazing to me how 
we always look at a future gain as a way to have a dissatisfaction for where we're at currently. It's amazing to me how we just believe for whatever the reason we conjure up this notion of, man, I can't wait. Man, I'll be happy when. When in fact, when the when occurs, it actually isn't what it's all cracked up to be and or you have something else to go ahead and say that about. Man, I can't wait until. So it will always be a continuum of dissatisfaction. Let me give you a visual because, you know, I like to see things visually. And since we're on the phone, then I want you to go ahead and just dream with me. It would be equivalent to right now being 12 noon. And you saying in your head, man, I can't wait till it's four o'clock. Four o'clock comes. Man, I can't wait till six o'clock. Six o'clock comes. Man, I'll be, I'll be happy when this day is over. The day is over. The next day comes. Man, I cannot wait until. And so what you essentially did was you are verbalizing how much time that you're wasting. You never appreciated the fact that it was 12 noon and it's possibly closer to lunchtime or in fact it is lunchtime. You never looked at the fact that four o'clock is close to, you know, you going home or getting on your commute or what have you. You never looked at the fact and tried to be satisfied with six o'clock being, you know what, I get to go ahead and hop in the shower and unwind and just take the day off of me. You never looked at the fact that, you know what, yeah, while you're probably dreading the day, someone didn't wake up today. You never looked at the fact that while you keep looking forward on what will make you happier by looking forward, that you never really maximize your now. I am a big proponent to maximize your now. I wish that we lived a little differently. I wish that we lived, man, you know what? I'm excited to go to work because it's a new opportunity to do something great. It's a new opportunity to go ahead and make a difference in someone's life. To wake up, and I actually have this affirmation posted on my mirror because Joyce Meyer said to do so, and because she is my mom in my head, I went ahead and did so. It says, something good is going to happen to me today, both to me and through me. Something good is going to happen through me and to me today. I went ahead and even started saying something great is going to happen both to me and through me today. And do you know what? Words have such power that as I started really muttering that and then connecting that to my peace and connecting that to my truth and making sure that I had at least a mustard seed side of faith when I was saying it, do you know that all of a sudden the joy that was inside of me was like, oh my gosh, that I became happier, that I became more content, more fulfilled, and nothing happened, but I started speaking differently. I just started talking differently. I didn't move into a mansion within the two weeks. I didn't get get an extra 200000 just like, oh, where this rebate come from? You know, what have you. The flashiest of the cars paid off. Gas tank filled for a year. That offer didn't come to me in the mail nor my driveway. I started planting different because I believe that what you speak 
is what you're planting and what you planting is what sprouts and what sprout is the fruit that you eat off of. And if you don't like the fruit that you're eating off of, then you should change how you are planting. Your words are planting. Your words is is a seed. You don't believe me? When we read Genesis 1 before, Genesis 1 before what do we read? That God said further down, let there be every vegetation, every seed bearing fruit, plant this, that, and the third. He said, let there be. So God planted with his what? With his words. So every time you speak, I want you to be more cognizant on how am I planting? Because the only person that's going to eat the fruit from what I'm planting is me. And the people who are connected to me. And so how I speak as a parent, my children will eat that fruit. How I speak as a wife, my husband will either reap the the repercussions or reap the benefits of that fruit. And as I hear myself saying it now, you know some of the things that I actually heard my mother saying consistently throughout my childhood? I heard her constantly saying, I don't have it, I'm broke. Oh, my back is killing me. Oh, such and such just makes me sick. You know what? Every time I look around, it's another bill. It's another bill. I don't have it. And you know what? That's the fruit that she uh, got to feed off of for the rest of her life. She died from a sickness. Her life was plagued with sicknesses. And I rebuke that in the name of Jesus from planting into anything. Because, you know, I just said that our words is, is plant is seed. So I want to make sure that seed is not being planted in any of our lives. But I witnessed someone being a poor gardener in their garden called life. I witnessed it. Which made me go back and say, okay, God. I think this, uh, this thing where, you know, words have life. It, you know, there's something there. And God was like, is this how he talked to me? God was like, duh, I told you um, the power of your mouth is life and death. I've been told y'all that, but y'all don't be reading. Y'all don't be listening to me. Who am I? I'm just God. You know, I showed you in Genesis 1, when you open up the Bible, the fresh, the first chapter I'm showing you, be careful with your words. Only speak and plant what you want to see. I'm showing y'all that. Off back. And so I was like, hmm, okay. But when you also think about the fact that we, for some reason, that has been disconnected. From Genesis, I went on a little further to Exodus, and I realized that the Israelites didn't get that memo. They didn't get that. They went ahead and was praying, and, you know, they didn't want to be slaves anymore, and they was just, you know, the Bible says even groaning, and, like, you know, you could really tell that it was just like, bro, we, we need a release. It's been 400 years. For the Bible then to say, all right, God heard them. He's going to go ahead and do something awesome for them, which is understandable. I would understand if I were walking past, you know, that kind of environment or that kind of person. I was like, why are you sad? And it's like, because I just feel like, and then they were to explain to me, been praying on this one thing for 400 years and it's not getting better. And it's this, that, the third. I would be like, oh, in the natural realm, I understand. But then that didn't stop there. You would think that, oh, so all they need is to be free and then they're going to be good. It's all right. They will be happy when they're free. Right? Wrong. 
they went ahead and followed Moses and did all that and then started complaining, we're thirsty. We want water. They irritated Moses so bad that that's one of the reasons why God stopped using Moses because Moses was supposed to speak to the rock and instead he hit the rock. So you know for Moses to go ahead and lose his temper, because we didn't know Moses to have no real, real temper. It was like, y'all must be getting on his nerves. Y'all must be some real pushy people. I know y'all big in number, but you probably are a, a pain in the you-know-what. Like, oh, my goodness. So you would think, okay, we'll just give them water. They'll be happy when they get water. No, not necessarily, because then they went ahead and started complaining that there was no meat. Why'd you bring us out here in the wilderness? We know when we were slaves, we had meat back then. And isn't that just like the human mind? When you're not satisfied with your current state, you look back on the past and you pull little pieces of when you deemed for it to be better. You try to have this little sectional that you only remember the good parts of a terrible situation. And you like, man, it was better then. You'll leave a job, you'll be at your new job, and then you'll look back on the past job and be like, yeah, but at least my boss wasn't A, B, and C. Yeah, but your pay was horrendous. Your dry was terrible it's the reason why you left that and we never remember that for some reason for some reason we never remember I left there because we always look back on oh yeah but that one little smickle was okay it's like you have convenient amnesia when it comes to toxic situations but you'll be happy when you're free right hmm so they go ahead and complain about wanting meat so Moses is like bruh I can't take it. So they must have went ahead and irritated God to the max that he was like, you know what? Y'all going to get so much of what you're asking for. It's going to come through your nose. I'm telling you, you read Exodus and things, you'll be like, I never want to watch TV again. Because I'm telling you, all the juice is right here. I'm holding it in my hand. Like, I'm telling you, it's all right there. Go ahead and down you, download the uh, Bible app, you version, what have you, and get you some eyebrow raising want. Stop playing. And this time, if you were to go ahead and tell somebody, yo, do you know the Israelites, it's not gossiping, it's actually evangelizing? Listen, I'm trying to make, use your skills, ma'am and sirs. So then, this was the kicker. I went to Exodus 32, chapter, nope, I'm going to just start from the whole thing. The kicker was the Israelites then complained when Moses was gone too long spending time with God. I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and read. I know that sounds like, what? They, they were complaining. They always found something to complain about. So let me just give it to you from the start. So you know I read from the NLT version. So Exodus 32. One, when the people saw how long it was taking Moses to come back down the mountain, they gathered around Aaron. Now, mind you, pause. It's like a million trillion of the, like literally it's over a million Israelites. So for you to gather against one man, just go ahead and put that imagery in your mind real quick. That's not looking like, hey, how you doing? It's looking like, oh, y'all finna jump me? Oh, like, so why y'all circling me? Like, what's up? You know, and clearly from what I'm reading, I'm getting ready to read to you. Aaron didn't really have that much of a backbone. I'll tell you why. Let's go ahead and continue reading. So let's go back. When the people saw how long it was taking Moses to come back down the mountain, they gathered around Aaron. Come on. They said, make us some gods who can lead us. We don't know what happened to this fellow Moses who brought us here from the land of Egypt. Two. So Aaron said, take the gold rings from your ears of your wives and sons and daughters and bring them to me. Hold on, sir. Pause, sir. <laughs> you, you didn't even give no kickback. 
You you just they said one statement. You were like, oh, okay, well, this is what y'all need to do. Like, wow, no backbone at all. But I digress. Three, all the people took the gold rings from their ears and brought them to Aaron. Four, then Aaron took the gold, melted it down, and molded it into the shape of a calf. When the people saw it, they exclaimed, Oh, Israel, these are the gods who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Five, Aaron saw how excited the people were, so he built an altar in front of the calf. Then he announced, Tomorrow will be a festival to the Lord. I'm going to stop there. <laughs> because I can't. I just, I can't. When do you get to a point that you understand, A, and I'm just taking from Aaron right now, no matter how uncomfortable it is, if someone is posing something to you that goes against what you know, then the answer is just absolutely no. But more so, Israelites, when does it get to a point that you reach a level of satisfaction, when you reach a level of contentment, when you reach a level of fulfillment, that someone doesn't have to be always in your face, whether it's a relationship or what have you, we'll get there in a minute. That someone doesn't have to keep giving you something. That you just learn that from what you have, you know how to maximize and maintain. You don't always have to be the center of attention. You don't always have to have the newest and the bestest and the flashiest. You don't always have to keep climbing the career ladder and fighting people to get to certain positions and promotions. You don't always have to just have this competitive, I need better, I want better, I need better, I want better. When do you take the time to really say, you know what, wow, we're free. We're not slaves no more. We have water, we have food. We have the meat that we've been screaming for. We have each other. We, we are the only people that's been led by God with a cloud by day and a fire by night. Man, look how far we've come. But instead of looking at how far you've come, you always seem to have this Israelite mindset where you're looking up and you're looking at how far you have to go. And I, I just, I'm, I always ask myself, where do we get that from? But when I can pin it back to as far as in the Bible, I'm like, well, it's nothing new under the sun, right? And if we can learn anything about the Israelites, like I said, it's that it's like people will always find something to complain about. It's almost like if we're not careful, <laughs> if we keep certain mindsets, we will never be happy. The Israelites were taken from slavery to a whole new freedom that no one else documented has experienced. That level of intimacy and, and protection from God, no one has experienced that. That level of just seeing that Moses was spending so much time with God that when he came back, the people were scared because his face was actually contorted and glowing. It was like, sir, please wear a veil. That you can actually be so close to greatness and still have in the midst of you ungratefulness. How was that even possible? That's sickening. That's sad. And that's exactly what I learned. Not only from the examples that I gave you earlier, but just from the Israelites itself. It was just, you know what? Happiness is a mindset. It really is. You can take that same mindset in slavery, and you can put that same mindset in the promised land, and there will still be something to be found by that particular person that would just be this is not good enough 
Happiness is a mindset and nothing tangible will ever be able to override that. I'll give you a few examples. You ever had knew or fell into this trap of I will feel better when I lose this particular weight. I'll be happy when this weight goal is reached. You ever get close to that weight goal or know someone who's ascertained that weight goal and it seems like the happiness I should have just kicked in just didn't. It wasn't an automatic, you know, 1201 rollover, hit the account type of thing. Hmm. You ever thought that, you know what, it's because of singlehood. I'm sure once I get into relationship, I will feel, you know, much better because then I'll have the the ussies and, you know, no more selfies and I'll have the Valentine's Day and you just knew. And it may not even be as, you know, surface level as that. It just may be this yearning that you have that I want to spend life with someone. I want to do life with someone. And while there's nothing wrong with that in and of itself, that should not be the contingent on your happiness. Okay? Oh, I'll just be happy when I get that job promotion or when I go ahead and just make more money. Really? You know, with the wrong habits, no matter what job you get, no matter how much money you make, no matter what goes on with your tax bracket, with the wrong habits, you will always be broke. So while you're praying for a promotion of any sort in a financial realm, pray that God also gives you financial education before he gives you financial wealth. Because any other blessing in that particular realm will be a burden because you do not have the skill set to go ahead and maintain that and be a good steward over it. And let me just say that. Anything that you pray for, you better pray to God that he gives you the characteristics to maintain that. Why do you think lottery uh, winners, when they go ahead and win those huge amounts of money, that they're statistically broke within a year? Because while they got increase in one area, they didn't get increase in the area of the characteristic to maintain that increase. So whatever you're praying on, you're praying on kids, you're praying on a spouse, you're praying on, you better ask God, what are the fundamental things that I need in my character to go ahead and maintain this? Because otherwise you're going to find yourself in those positions saying, I wish I never. Because yeah, before you were saying, I'll be happy when, now you're like, man, it wasn't so bad in Egypt. Oh, which is a slap in the face to a God that can provide you anything except the fact that he can't force you to change your mindset. Same thing with debt. Now, I wanted to give you a moment to go ahead and get that. Like, did her phone go off? No, I'm looking at you through the phone. That's what I'm doing. Same thing with debt. Oh, I just be, no, you don't even understand. Like, student loans, like, you don't even, no, like, seriously, even the phrase student loans, it just do something to me. Yeah, but you know what? I have a funny, funny suspicion that even if your student loans were paid off, you still will find something else not to be satisfied with. I promise you. I've seen it. Trust and believe. It's a mindset. So all those statements like, or even those hidden statements, like I don't want much. I mean, all I want is dot, dot, dot. Man, I can't wait for it, dot, dot, dot. I'll sure be glad when dot, dot, dot. Those are reflective of an Israelite mindset. My challenge to you is to zoom out, 
do a nice little scan of your life and ask yourself, what am I making my happiness contingent on? What am I secretly saying, no matter how it's worded, what am I saying to myself in a way that looks like I will be happy when? Do yourself the favor of taking the contingencies off of your happiness. There should be no win. I want you to choose now to be happy. We have all these little, you know, statements that go around and cliches like life is too short and, you know, you never know and, you know, you know, live your best life and, you know, YOLO and um, all these other different things. We, we put these mantras out. We put these cliches out, but we don't put these mindsets out to live like that. If it shouldn't take a doctor giving anyone a scary diagnosis or a undesired test result for you to go you know what I'm not gonna worry about nothing I'm not gonna let nothing you know raise my blood pressure I'm just gonna go ahead and just do everything I've ever wanted to do sky is the limit the world is my oyster because you know what if they gave me said time frame that I'm gonna go ahead and live it up it always astonishes me that the people who obtain that mindset are either not financially stable not where they need to be financially they're not millionaires or they have gotten a report of some sort that was like you oh so you definitely know that your days are numbered it's like a sense of inspiration but then like almost desperation like is that what we have to get to as a consensus to start living life in a way that our happiness is not waiting on a dollar amount on a title change on a tax bracket change on a promotional title change that nothing has to change on our external all we got to do is change our mindset so we can feel that fulfillment internally so you know what these conversations are they are life-provoking conversations, conversations that the, not the average person is going to have with you. And that's why you need to be having these conversations with your favorite homegirl. Because we are going to go ahead and take life by the shoulders and shake it profusely, not violently, but profusely and let it know you don't rule me. This is my life. This is my canvas. I'm painting something. It doesn't have to be at the speed of everyone else. It doesn't have to be as colorful as everyone else. I choose my colors. I choose my palettes. I choose my textures. I choose, I choose. And the only person that I'm checking in to make sure that I'm in alignment with is God. And so I'm not checking the canvas of the person next to me. I'm not looking back on the canvases that I used to be near. I'm looking at the canvases as they're coming together, as I'm getting to the next stages of my life. And I'm asking myself, is this a canvas that I'm proud of? Is this a canvas that makes me feel contentment, fulfillment, satisfaction? Does it do it for me? And if that blue is a little bit too dark, then you know what? I'm going to whip up some of this white and I'm going to make something different. But you have creative power. And I keep saying that. You are from a creator. You have the power to go ahead and say, hmm, learn from that. So I don't like that. So I'm going to do something different. Oh, okay, so when I go ahead and just put black on there, it kind of fades out and it contrasts not in a way that's palatable for me. So next time, before I just go ahead and put black on that, I'm going to go ahead and dip into other colors to do something different. You have to learn that you don't need sunshine and birds chirping and ah, and just like the daffodils and the butterflies. And you're not dependent on your external environment to tell you how you should feel. 
No, you should have this joy in you that says, I enjoy where I'm at now. It may not be the most favorable 100%, but I can find at least 60% of something to be happy about. And you know what? Through the grace of God, I'm so excited that this 40% is coming. I stand in faith about that 40%. I believe God. The Bible says that if I believe the size of a mustard seed, that that 40% will be on its way. And if anything comes to try to distract me from that 40%, I stand in faith through the blood of Jesus. It shall be and it will be. And I believe that. So while I'm holding on and maintaining in this 60 I stand in faith for this 40 who can shake that who can shake that I feel like putting on my sneakers and running up and down the road right now and I didn't do anything but just plant something different in you that's what you need to be doing on a daily basis or when you feel yourself getting low you should know yourself enough to know mm, yeah, I'm not feeling it. Okay, so Tifa, time out. Maybe you need to go ahead and fill yourself back up in the spiritual realm. Maybe you need to go ahead and start affirming yourself like, listen, something great is going to happen to me and through me today. Something great is going to happen to me and through me today. And this is just not a mission statement. This is just not a mantra. This is just not something cute to have on my bathroom mirror. mirror. This is something that I'm looking at and I believe. I believe that something great is going to happen to me and through me today. I believe that. What happens when you believe something so heartedly? that even if it's delayed and how it gets there that your excitement goes ahead and turns something on that was off within you you got to get to that moment you got to get there you got to always remember the coordinates to get back to that if you don't know how to get nowhere else get back to your joy get back to refilling yourself no one's going to come on the side of the road and fill your own gas tank up so you're going to have to take yourself to the gas station and say i need a refill i need a refill no more are we going to have the mindset of I'll be happy when. Do you understand me? I really need you to grasp that. That is demonic. That is a prison on earth. And that's not fair. Not for what Jesus did on Calvary. No, ma'am. And no, sir. So I challenge you to do what I asked you to do. I challenge you to change that altogether. And I challenge you to want better, do better, and then to help somebody else come up that mountain with you. Each one teach one, right? Woo! Mm, Holy Spirit, you, you go ahead and you go and inflict what you have to inflict in them. You convict them in the way that they need to be convicted because I tell you what, we will no longer be a people prisoned. We will no longer be a people prisoned. We have too much knowledge, too much access, too much power to be this imprisoned. No, ma'am, no, sir. So before I keep you another 100 minutes because I'm hype, deodorant is barely holding on. I'm going to go ahead and let you go. But you know what to do. You know what to do. Don't you dare hang up this phone call like it's a regular phone call. These are life-changing moments. You'll never be able to say that you didn't know. You'll never be able to say nobody didn't teach because through the grace of God, we are having these conversations so that your life can never look the same again. You better do something. Don't waste this opportunity. Don't waste this moment. Don't waste my time. Because I take this assignment very seriously. So you need to get up on it. Do you understand that? So we're going to go ahead and disconnect because I feel like I'm still wrapped up in the spirit. So as my good, good nanny says, all right, I ain't going to hold you.
I know there was no way I can get off of that because it's just like, listen, this is the roller coaster. I'm going to have to just throw myself off and then let the Holy Spirit do what he needs to do once we hang up. So you go ahead and do what needs to be done. And I pray that you never be the same after this phone call. All the other phone calls were awesome, but this one, you better make a change. I'll talk to you later. Later. <laughs>